Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie. And if you're listening to this on the day the show releases, happy Friday. You have made it to another Friday, to another weekend. I have a great show for you guys. I sat down and talked with Dustin Nickerson. Dustin came to our studio here in Austin, Texas. So in the beginning of the show, we talk about Austin and Texas and and the comedians here and people coming from California. And listen, Dustin just had us cracking up in the studio the whole time. And so you're going to love this show. It is a breath of fresh air to hear a comedian just crack us up and also talk about the hope that we have and how much laughter can help us in these hard, hard times. In fact, I sat down with him and asked him in a video that's over on YouTube. You can go to it by jamieivy.com slash YouTube. I asked Dustin, hey, listen, this is hard times right now. It's really hard to find laughter and joy. And how are you finding that? And we have some unique answers for you over there. So go check that out as well. You guys, I want to tell you my kid's book, God Made You to Be You, is available for pre-order right now wherever you get books. And listen, I know I've told you this, but I'll tell you it again. Pre-orders are so helpful to an author. They really are. So if you're thinking, you know what? I'm going to get a kid's book for my niece or nephew for Christmas. Now's the time to get it, you guys. It comes out October 5th. And if you pre-order, it'll be delivered to your house just as if you ordered it then. And it also helps me so much to know that they're, it doesn't just help me know that people are pre-ordering it. It helps the retailers know to order. So God Made You to Be You is a book about a cactus named Sammy. And Sammy goes on a journey of wishing that he was more like his friends, wishing he could run and jump and do the things that his friends do. And then his friends remind him of how important he is and the special things that he brings to his community. And I love this book so much because it's what we're all asking. God, what is my purpose? What am I here for? And I love that his friends gathered around him to remind him of the things that are true. I need friends like that in my life. And I know that our little kids need that as well. So this is a book of Sammy learning that God made him to be him just like he is for a purpose and a plan. So you can get God made you to be you wherever you get books. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Dustin Nickerson. Dustin, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I drove here in my little Chevy Spark because that was the only rental car available right now. And I had to turn in here because uh-huh. it's a very busy road. You yes. turn it. And I had to sit in the middle lane. Isn't that scary? As in the smallest car in the history of cars. I look like the roller skate of a bigger car and just shook. I was shaking, but the whole car shook. I think at one point, like as two Silverados drove by, I think my car actually did lift off the ground. (laughs) Like I felt like I was in the breeze. And then so I'm just relieved to be in. I was relieved and happy to be here as soon as I got in the parking lot. As soon as you got off the highway out there. It's very scary. You have to sit there for very long. Yes. And they're just... Well, I, I drive a very big car, but right, I don't Texas. know if you're familiar. I know Texas. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. What are you? I'm a two. Okay. I'm a six. Okay. So, you know, when I'm sitting out there, I, I make this drive every day. I live here. This is my office. Yeah. I come to work here every day. Every day I sit in that left turn lane and oh, think, I'm get, today's my day to die. <laughs> because that car is going to swerve yeah. in my lane and hit me. So, you know what? You experience what I experience on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I sit there as a two and go, I feel so sorry that these people are going to kill me. 
You know, I'm so sorry for them. <laughs> like they're gonna kill me, and that's gonna weigh on them for a long time. And I, I feel their pain. That I'm gonna die is no big deal. You know, it's it's. But a, these poor people. Yeah, they're. I'm concerned about their feelings. That they're gonna have to murder somebody. The so. worst Tuesday of their life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you are in Austin, Texas. I am, yeah. You've been here for a couple days, mm-hmm. and uh, you've been in Austin a lot. I was actually like asking you like what you're loving here, and you told me something I didn't know, and I am a, I, I live, yeah. my address is Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. but there's a big comedy boom here. Huge comedy boom here. Rogan moving here, and then invited, I think he was invited. I bet when Joe Rogan invites <laughs> you to do something, it's more of you being told to do he something. He doesn't, it's not an invite, no. it's a here, be here. Yeah, yeah, so Tom Zagura moved out here, and Tony Hinchcliffe moved out here, and Tim Dillon, these are all pretty established comics, and then they, and now there's like this boom, but it's also not all good comedians. <laughs> it's also like, the joke is like, every open micer in the country moved to Austin. So they Austin. could get... Maybe like open. So maybe they can get on his radar, you know, just somewhere. This is, but a lot of that was just an exodus from LA, you know, because along with everyone else right, moving to right. Austin yeah, from LA. LA's never been better. <laughs> All the Californians left. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. we're real grateful they're here too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, California <laughs> people. We love you. Elections. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bizarre time, but you know, you could lose half, like a Thanos snap could happen. And you wouldn't notice it in L.A. There's so many people. Wow. You would barely notice it. So, yes, some people have left, but you hardly even notice it. But, yeah, there's a comedy boom and the Creek in the Cave and the Vulcan. And, you know, there's a lot of different independent shows and other clubs and stuff. Cap City's opening back up. So, you know, you always found your way here anyways as a anywhere in the entertainment world. But now it's kind of like a there's like New York, there's L.A. and there's Austin. Like, yeah. It's right there. That makes me real happy. Yeah. I'm proud of my city. I love living in Austin, Texas. Um, and all the joking is out about the California people moving here. I don't care. It's just my house is worth a lot more than it used to be worth. Yeah, I'll tell you that, that helps. Much. Yeah, yeah, that helps. Yeah, you're welcome. But this is really, I mean, we always say, my husband and I, we live in one of the greatest cities in the world. And we love this place so much. I mean, yeah. it's got good food. A comedy boom that I didn't even know of. I'm, em- I'm embarrassed sitting here talking to you it's that I didn't right. even know that. It's all right. Yeah. And every band comes through here. You've mm-hmm. got everything you want out of yeah. the city. I do travel enough that I'm not impressed by any city. Literally no city does anything for me. You just go like, okay, this is one of those type yeah. cities. Uh-huh. Like you go to Austin, you're like, all right, this is this weird hybrid of Nashville and Portland that hardly makes any sense to mm-hmm. me. I will say that Austin is distinct among cities and is so distinct amongst its state it's like the goth kid in the family like we're, it doesn't happy about this. it doesn't match anything else yeah. around it but it still kind of feels like it's a part of the mm-hmm. family there's nothing yeah. like austin well i didn't even set you up here that you are a comedian and you've been doing this nine years nine years nine years my first open mic was nine years ago yeah okay so i would just like to know i know you used to also be in ministry once upon a time. Once yeah. upon a time. Yeah. So take me back a little bit and tell us about your family and what kind of ministry did you do? And even how did you make that leap into comedy full time instead yeah. of just being like, you know, cool dad with fun jokes, but like not cool dad, but <laughs> dad and jokes. Kids hate my sense of humor. They people do ask you that. Not, I'm, I went off the rails there for a second. People ask you that a lot. Like, do your kids think you're funny? No. But it's because, like, the way I use humor and that they, it's, you almost kind of use it against him. Yeah. This happened last week. We were doing school shopping with our kids, and my daughter wanted a pair of Doc Martens, and Doc Martens are like $115, yeah. and she's 11. We're like, this is <laughs> absolutely not. Right. And I told her I could get her a pair of Nurse Martens, 
which I think that is an objectively funny joke. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> and she like got so mad and it was like, she was like, you're using your power against me. Like you're using your power for evil. Like she almost gave me the Spider-Man great res- power, great responsibility. Talk, but I come. think uh, kids, like I'll show my kids something on Instagram and I'll be crying laughing. Yeah. And literally my kids look at me with the straightest face and yeah. they're like, there's nothing funny about that mom. <laughs> like, they're like, that's mom funny. Yeah. I'm like, well, listen, this is funny. I don't care who you are. Yeah. It's a generational gap. For sure. And then um, as far as my stand-up, they're like, could you talk about something other than us? I was like, I mean, (laughs) yes, but... But you're the best material I have right now. Yeah, you guys are super helpful. We're all... It's like (laughs) Seinfeld says, like, we're all a comedy family, all right? Everybody plays their part. So, yeah, my family... So I grew up in Seattle. Um, I've only lived in two cities, Seattle and San Diego, you know, so the Canada and Mexico. I've Mm -hmm. covered the, the border, though. So West Coast kid. My dad's from like a small little rural town in Oregon, which is where all the redneck and the West Coast are. And but we were raised in like South Seattle and grew up there. And I almost went right into my testimony. Uh, not born in a Christian home. Yeah, I almost just it just it, it just comes it out. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and especially because you know I did start going to youth group in high school. And, you know, if you had a kid that wasn't raised in a Christian home, he gave the testimony every time because it was just Cause look at this kid. Yeah, it was just me. And I'd be like, you'd be like, I used to do drugs. Reality is I like smoked two joints ever, <laughs> ever with my family, you know, right. and it was actually pretty safe. Not a big deal. Yeah. But like, oh, man, he really yeah. got really pulled uh-huh. him out of the darkness. <laughs> so, um I went to the University of Washington. I started out. Is that Go Huskies? Yeah, Go Huskies. Yeah. yeah, lost our opening game to an FCS school, Montana. Oh, that's fun. Go dogs, baby. <laughs> We're back. Oh, it's, so sad. it's so sad when your team, when the season is over on the first game. Because in college, you can't lose a game. I you know, know. Maybe you can lose one. But anyways, went to UW. And I was, you know, you meander in your 20s. You don't really know what you want to mm-hmm. do. You have an idea. All I knew for sure is that I had like something to say, that I wanted to have a voice of some type. I wanted to be in communication of some type. So I was studying communication. I was a sports writer in college. That was the route. And then I had a professor be like, hey, man, you want to talk about more than sports the rest of your life, right? And I was like, yes. Maybe. (laughs) And I, you know, I was, uh, you know, as a Christian and I was like, I took that as a like, oh, let's, that's a call into ministry. Ministry. So we were attending a little, this would be a totally different side of the podcast. I was attending a church called Marshall Church at the time and it worked there for seven years. But doing youth and kids ministry and starting off in youth, then did youth and kids at the end. And we've been in San Diego for 10 years, but we always say, I mean, you know, enjoy that Google search listeners, if you don't know the story there, but we always say that. I have so many questions that I'm going to keep to myself. Yeah, no, hey, you're welcome to ask anything, but I don't have a lot of juicy stories. There's a reason I'm not on the podcast right now. I was. (laughs) Mike hasn't called you. No, (laughs) no, no. Former uh, youth pastor slash now stand-up comedian isn't like, I bet he'll have good insight. I bet he'll be. The reason that I lasted seven years at Mars Hill is because I was so insignificant. Like I wasn't. (laughs) I wasn't worth firing. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to have someone to do the retreats and watch the kids on Sunday. So that was my role. But when we moved to San Diego, you know, it's there really is something to like a fresh start Mm -hmm. of like, you know, we're in this new area. We're not around family anymore. I grew up in love with stand up comedy. You know, I'm the Comedy Central like generation where it just would be on 
you know, when I was a kid, it would just be on TV all the time. Yeah. And the kind of the romance of the story is not particularly romantic. It's like, I always wanted to try it. And then I just did my first open mic and then I just didn't stop doing it. I was wow. like, oh, I guess I'll just do this now. I'll do the open mics and get booked on shows. And, you know, stand up has very, like, a very clear path as far as how you climb you know you start getting longer sets you start getting more money like it's a very now you have good years and bad years but yeah. you know when you're advancing and not advancing wow. especially in those early years so when you started this i mean you just said your youngest is 11 no my youngest is seven your youngest my middle is child's seven, 11, 11 yeah. and then you have uh 14 yeah i 14. just started high school oh fun yeah i have three boys in high school yeah yeah so when you take this leap to try something new, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's listening, doing the math, like you're married with two kids, almost another one. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that feels real scary. And I think sometimes you, you even said like when we're in our 20s and I don't know how I'm in my 40s, when we're in your 20s, you are just kind of like most people right. are like, I don't know what I'm doing yeah. or I didn't find my love for my job until I was like 35, mm, you know? And yeah. so but that feels so scary. And I always talk to people who they're like, I have this dream. I just don't know how to step out and do it. Like, mm-hmm. what did that transition even look like for you? I mean, you made it seem real simple. Like, I did one thing, yeah. and then next thing I know, I'm on the road. Yeah. But I have a feeling it wasn't that simple. No, 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 no. I mean, I did both stand-up comedy and a day job, which is my last day job. I worked at a, a rec center and, like, as a membership manager, like a big YMCA type mm-hmm. situation. And I did both of those for five years. Mm-hmm. And that was, like... It was scary. Well, scary is not the word that I would use. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was very hard. It was scary to get on stage. That part was scary. I guess that's what it was is people would be like, oh, that's really scary, that leap of faith. None of it was scary compared to just getting on the stage. The stage is the scary part. Is it still scary now? Sometimes. You know, there's definitely nerves sometimes, like if you're following someone that's really funny, like me and Zoltan, my buddy Zoltan Cassis, we did this co-headlining tour here in Texas this last weekend. It was like, whoever's going second was kind of nervous and scared because the other person, you're just watching them have a great set for 40 minutes. You're like, oh, now I got to go. They're all so happy. They're going to be disappointed in me, you know, which is just my natural state anyways, that you're going to be disappointed in me. But there's stuff like that, but it's not scary because you've seen enough Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you just there's no more sometimes it's more when it's like a bad crowd or like a hostile crowd or like a you know there's hecklers and stuff you're not scared you're more annoyed you're like oh i wanted it to be one of the good ones yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's like a child that's misbehaving i'm more Mm -hmm. angry at them than i am like you know scared of them so that grind was I was just that. I mean, it was my, you know, especially the last three years of the job, my normal schedule was I would work either like I would usually work like Sunday through Thursday at the day job. And a lot of nights I would do spots in town, either in San Diego or in L.A. And then on Thursday or Friday, I would work the earliest shift, like at 4 a.m., get off at noon, go get on a plane, go fly to wherever I was going that weekend or Mm -hmm. drive if it was driving, do the shows all weekend usually Sunday night, sleep in the airport, get up Monday, go home, shower, go to work. That was it for about three years. This sounds absolutely exhausting. <laughs> like I'm tired. You're tired just hearing it. Yeah, yeah me too. And that's a young man's game. Like a, that's a young person's game. Right. Like you can't. And now I'm like, I'll hit a four hour drive and I'm like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, like, I've gotten so soft. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, man, I used to sleep on those airport floors. Like, there's about 30 airports in this country that I can tell you what gate to sleep at. Oh, my god! Because I go, oh, because they'll open later or, you know. Well, and in those early years, you're just like, 
every your penny pension. So when I see people sleeping on the floors in the airports, I'm yeah. be like, when's your special on Amazon <laughs> coming out? <laughs> and they're gonna say five years. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. And they're gonna self produce it. Right. So you know, those are the but could I have gotten a hotel? Yeah, probably, but it wasn't worth it financially. Because yeah. you go when those early years in comedy, you're going out, you're getting paid seventy five dollars a show, you're trying to break even, you know. You yeah. go into the city that weekend and I would go I would buy a thing of oatmeal and blueberries and those would be my breakfasts and I would get two Subway footlong sandwiches and then I would eat at the club and mm-hmm. then I'd gotten all my food for $15. Yeah. Like you really have to penny pinch so you come home because I didn't want to, I knew like there is an advantage to starting later in a career because you figure out it's not a hobby. You get very strategic and yeah. that's what it was for me. It's like I have to figure out how to get good at this and make money yeah. at this yeah. if I want to do this full time. You know, I think a lot of younger people can look at someone like you and be like, I'm just going to do this. This looks amazing. And then what you just told me for the last 10 minutes, you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like in all reality, like it it takes a lot of work. No one shows up at their highlight of their career Mm -hmm. without having a ton of work. And that can be misleading for some people who think I'm just going to show up and headline a tour. Yeah. And, you know, and you're reminding us that's not how it goes. Some people can. I'm not talented enough to not outwork everybody. Some people just got the talent. Some people, they... But they still have to put in They the- do. But what I mean by that is that was always it for me, is I would look at people and I would go like... I mean, this is what Kobe used to say. Kobe used to write, they would practice for two hours and then he would go practice by himself. And he goes, I just got twice the amount of the work that you guys just got in. And that's what it, anything is, is you go like, I'm just going to put in more hours. You're saying no one's going to outwork me. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you can, it, not that uh, you're trying to, in comedy, you're not trying to pass people necessarily, but there are people who you go, you have like a natural inkling for this. Mm-hmm. You've got a knit factor. You, you know, you were just naturally better at it yeah. right away. But I'm going to outwork you, you know, and that'll be kind of how I find my way in this business. You know, we've had another comedian on the show. Oh, who's that? It just hit me. Jennifer Fulweiler. Oh, yeah. Jen, yeah. You know her. Yeah, of course I know Jen. Y'all all know each other. Yeah. Okay. There's not very many of us. Yeah. 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 And Jen's (laughs) great. She's here in Austin and she's been on the show maybe twice. Yeah. Yeah. Jen's very funny. She's very funny. And I went on her show a lot. She used to do a show. Yeah. 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 I look at her and I'm like, you did a show every day, a live show Uh for like four hours. Uh I'm serious. And she has like 85 kids yeah. that she homeschools. Yeah. And then she's doing these comedy tours. I literally like, I don't even know what you're I doing. she does it to get away from the kids <laughs> at this <laughs> I mean, point. She goes, I guess, I'll, can I work the road? But actually, the problem is she brings her kids with her. Oh. Like her kids are like out there selling tickets yeah. and, you know, setting up the stage <laughs> and stuff. So she's actually getting free work out of it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Or even better, put them on staff and then they're a write-off. <laughs> That's you <know>? exactly right. <laughs> Okay, speaking of kids, dad to three, you've got a teenage son, mm-hmm. first year of high school. Yeah. What has been, like, you're coming into some fun years. My oldest is 17, yeah. you know, so I'm just yeah. a few steps above you. What is teenagers like at your house? I try not to talk about my kids too much either, but you already told me you talk about them in your shows. So. I talk about my kids all the time, yeah. You know, the teenage boy, I feel like my kids have, like, two, each kid I feel like has, like, two emotions. And I'm just like, I don't know which one I'm going to get at any given time. Like, my preteen daughter... Which, as you know, with preteens, they're daughters, they're teens. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and a teenage girl is the meanest person on the planet. <laughs> like, to each other, to... My wife and I were talking about the other day, you're like, remember before technology, like, or, I mean, of course there's technology, but, like, we still found a way to do the meanest things possible. Like, when you would, like, 
you would do like the two-way call, oh, but and not, not tell know them. Yes. that there was somebody else on there. And be like, so what mean. do you think of so-and-so? I'm like, I'm not a big fan. What? And uh-huh. then, oh, like, it's just the mean. Yep. And now it's everywhere with social media and all that kind of things. So I feel for them. But like my son, you know, he coming out of the pandemic, we're like, what are you going to be like? Because it didn't affect, I'm sure it did yours too. Yeah. Like it affected them in all mm-hmm. these wildly different ways. But He's had like a nice smooth landing into high school, which we're very, very grateful for. It's so funny, though, because you look at high school and, you know, he's like 90 pounds. He's mm-hmm. a small kid. Yeah. He's on the football team. You go, which one is him? He's the small one. He's yeah. literally he's the smallest one out there. And and then you like look at like an 18 year old. and You're like, that guy can go to war. Like <laughs> right? that, guy, that is a man. Yeah. That guy's been shaving yes. for years uh-huh. and has somehow their peers yeah. with my son. So that's. Now, we're very, very grateful that he has, like, it's been a very, that's one of the great things about football is he just, like, he their practices started during the summer. I know your, your mm-hmm. kids play. Like, they started during the summer, so he had, like, a landing place yeah. when he got there. He just immediately knew yeah. kids, which yeah. is great. So, but his modes are, like, like pretty chill and friendly and just, like, lethargic. Like, I just bring my blanket out and I sit on the couch <laughs> all the time. Like, that's all I get out of him. Yep. And then my middle kid, Gloria, she has, like, chill and like silly like she's like me she's mm-hmm. like to a t like me and then rage that's all we <laughs> one or the other one or the other <laughs> so so do you ever catch that like you know like she's talked to my wife and i'm just i'm like oh my god <laughs> and there's part of me i was like i've wanted to say those things i can't believe <laughs> like you're in trouble but finish your thought finish your thought i know you're definitely in trouble but i am glad mom's hearing this she needed to hear this <laughs> It's like a fantasy. <laughs> yeah. He like try to like telepathically give her yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. To say. I'm giving her notes. Yeah. Hey, like, <laughs> she like says, and another thing, dad told me, don't snitch. Don't snitch on me. She just got diagnosed with ADHD, which I have as well. And it was so funny because like they handed me like the 30 page, like they're like, hey, your kid has ADHD. Here's how you help them. And they handed me like a 30 page pamphlet. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not going to read this. <laughs> you know, my mm-hmm. whole setup. I barely made it through the appointment of you telling me that she had ADHD. Yeah. My wife's going through it. I was like, is there another way? Could you send me like a series of TikToks? Uh-huh. Could you? <laughs> is there like a video game training like right. pilots have? Is there? And then the seven-year-old, you know, the seven-year-old, I would say, I don't know if this has been the same for you, the younger the child, the more dramatic the pandemic affected them Mm. because they got very used to it. Like my daughter's seven. So a good chunk of her life has been in the pandemic. She has done more Zoom school in her life than in-person school. Mm. So, you know, that re-entry last spring and then this has been a challenge. (laughs) A teacher pulled me aside one day and she goes, hey, I just want to let you know that your daughter spends like a lot of the afternoon crying. Like she cries a lot in the afternoon. And I go, oh, okay. And I go, um, me too. <laughs> the teacher paused and laughed. And she goes, yeah, me too. Oh, <laughs> it's like, this is hard I was like, for we're everybody. All in this, right? Yeah. We're, it's hard for all of us. It's hard for all of us. I think that's been like the thing. And I love like that you're like, everyone needs laughter. Like laughter mm-hmm. is just such an important thing for us because, and listen, we keep going like, oh, we were in this, pan- like, no, we're still we're in it. We're yeah. so yeah. in it. I mean, Texas isn't, but the rest of the world had a pandemic this year. I don't know if Texas got wind. <laughs> Of that, we did here in Austin. Yeah, we knew there was a pandemic in Austin. Texas took like Memorial Day 2020 (laughs) off, flatten the curve. 
and then just <laughs> shot their guns at COVID. I don't know what they, <laughs> and then hope they could get it. <laughs> COVID can't get in if Jesus is. That's science. That's how that works. All I need is a scripture and essential oils, and I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, we laugh, but that is like so many people's actual <laughs> real <course>. thoughts. <laughs> And it makes me so scared. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But it has been like such a hard year. And I love that you even said like when the teacher said that, you're like, me too. Because I think our kids actually need to hear the adults go, you think this has been hard for you at school? This is really hard for me too. And just to be like, here's what's hard about my life as well. And I know that our kids benefit Mm -hmm. from us being real with them and talking about those things with them as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that to me that ties into faith stuff a lot, too, of just going like my main interest with my kids, especially as they get older, is giving to them whatever is I'm authentically feeling in Mm. the moment. Not in like a raw, inappropriate way or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but not feeling a need. And I think that's going to be a difference that our generation does with parenting of more candid conversations, more conversations with exceptions, less black and white conversations, because they see everything and, you know, the it's not important. I mean, I don't think it's important for, you know, Christians our age for things to be packaged the way they mm. once were. And so I don't necessarily always feel a pressure to give that to my kids either. Yeah. I think they just want that authenticity and yeah. genuineness and Kids can see that, man. The kids have a good radar on those they things. Totally I think do. a kid's EQ grows faster than their IQ. Mm. They can really have a sense of what's going on in their household, you yeah. know, and when their parents are just like broadcasting or just giving them like, okay, here's your answers to all mm-hmm. your questions. And you're like, well, yeah, I don't know that that helps them long term. Right. Yeah. I think about that too. Sometimes when you said like how our kids are going to, I think they're also going to hear more I'm sorry's from our generation. Yeah. Not even my parents, but like my grandparents. Yeah. I can't imagine my grandparents ever looking at my parents and saying, I'm sorry. I don't know that my grandparents ever thought they made a mistake. Right. You know what I mean? Especially (laughs) in parenting, like this is how it is. This is what we do. Yeah. Your daughter getting diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. You said you also um, are diagnosed with that. What has that been like for you parenting her? I don't want you to talk about her business. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Like me and you, baby. You know, that's another thing that I think is generationally changed is you just go, this is okay. And teachers are better at it. Teachers understand it. Hey, the more, the brain is complex. Mm -hmm. And the more we have this like, what is it like this computer, you know, Tim Hawkins had that line, like you have like a computer made of meat in your brain and it's not going to be the same for everybody in the way that they're going to learn. Like, I think that it was when she had, it was a bit of a relief because we go like, she is a lot like me and that, you know, she's passionate about it. She thrives. And if there's no interest, people don't realize that when you have ADHD, it's not They don't understand the mental blocks that Mm. we have of it's not as complicated. You just go the old stuff, just like, no, just go get your work done. You don't realize that your body and brain are working against you. It's very physically hard for you to do the task. It feels like there's obstacles that are preventing you from doing it. And school is very hard for kids like that, in addition to just all the other. Everything else in life right now. Yeah, Yeah. especially middle school. I mean, middle school. the worst. Middle school is like we all decided, like, just go be weird together. Just it's some tough years and then add all this. So my I think, daughter's in eighth grade. Yeah. And I asked her yesterday, like, how's it going? We've been in school like a month, five weeks. Yeah. She's like, I hate eighth grade. Yeah. I'm like, really? I said, I did too, actually. I told her. I was like, I hated eighth grade too. She said sixth grade was hard because we were new. I love seventh grade. Yeah. Eighth grade sucks, she said. I can't wait till ninth grade. And I was like, 
Well, ninth grade might be hard too. Like, like, <laughs> sorry, babe, but you know. Yeah. But it is middle school is so hard. It is. They're tough years, and I think you know, especially for my wife. Melissa, I think it's a bit of a relief to go like, okay, this helps us. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, now we kind of know it helps us get the right tools to help her succeed. And, you know, like, you know, ADHD is really is just about guiding us to the right thing. Because if they once they hit that, like she this during the pandemic, she got into canoeing not like competitive canoeing yeah and because it was one of the only sports that you could do because it was outside exactly and and like she just it wasn't a part of her life at all two years ago and then two weeks ago she just was like meddling in nationals in oklahoma which is very funny that they left san diego to go canoe in oklahoma (laughs) (laughs) a big pool out there it seems like all the what the big body of water is out here we have so much of it everywhere but that's the thing that she got passionate about it and then she started to excel in it i didn't even know you could go to nationals and canoeing. Yeah, I know. It's not even, not like rowing, just yeah. straight up canoeing. There's so many weird little subcultures because then it was, there's like, there's gold medalists. Like it was in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knew? I don't who know. knew? Yeah. Who knew? Well, you released a comedy special in the middle of the pandemic. I did, yeah. Tell us about this. Yeah, filmed it in September 2020. We released in November 2020. You know, like a lot of people going into 2020, I had some ambitions and I had some goals. And then the world ended. Yeah. Still kicking. We've been running on E for a while. I don't know how much longer the fumes it's are going like to go. It's like that gas tank where you're like, I think I can make it home. I think yeah. I can make it home. Yeah. It just kind of keeps going. It's just one big long fever dream we're in. So anyone can go watch it right now. It's our, It's been out yes. since last year. Yeah. It came out on Amazon. And a month ago, we put it out for free on YouTube. So Look it's, at uh, you. it's out there. Hey, you got to give it to the people. Okay. What is it called? How do they find it's it? It's called Overwhelmed. If you type in Overwhelmed or Dustin Nickerson or whatever on YouTube, you'll find it. It's great. Or you can also go to my website, DustinNickerson.com. Links are all there and such. Awesome. Yeah. Do you hang out on Instagram? Oh, yeah. I like Instagram. Oh, yeah. Are you into Snapchat? No. Me neither. No, I, grown, I don't even know I'm how to do it. Up. My, thank you. <laughs> I got on it to follow my kids, but I can't even follow them. I don't even know how to use it. I literally am like, I don't know what to do. But we'll be out, and I don't have my phone, but my kids will be like, just snap a picture like of the sky. Right. That's what they do. They just send the most like... Random photos. It's, I don't get Snapchat at all. No, no. What about TikTok? You on the TikTok? You on the talk? I'm not. Are you? Yeah, I love the talk. You do? Yeah. I have turned into this old woman that's like, I don't know how to learn something new. Yeah. I think I, it's so funny. I was telling a friend last night. I said I think TikTok was my last new thing. You Done know? after this. Yeah. I said that, but I was kind of anti TikTok at first too, and then I got on. I was like, oh, this is pretty great, actually. It's pretty. Now, funny. when my friends send me funny TikTok videos, I yeah. love them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also different as a public figure. Yeah. Like, you can't, you're like, oh, Jamie's trying to get on TikTok now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then, like, my videos would be awful. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, you guys. That's the thing, too. You don't want to, like, publicly have to try a new thing. Because, you know, you. you're doing great and you're like, oh, now Jamie's doing <laughs> Yeah, no, the pod's huge, but, dude, she's bombing on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is my worry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally get that. So I'll just send, like, I'll try to make some TikTok videos and just send them to my friends. And yeah. then once I I get better and they give me the thumbs up. No, like, these aren't TikToks. These are just video. You just made a video at home. It's just an Instagram story again. I'm like, Jamie, come on. Dustin, I like to ask everyone what they're reading, what they're watching. So what are you what are you into these days? Man, I read 
almost exclusively fiction. I'm reading a book right now called Burning the Light by this comedian named Sam Talent that just chronicles this old road dog. But then I had been working the road so much that I was like, I'm just going to put this down for a little bit. <laughs> and then I read comic books. Yeah. And I know I've been reading comic books since I was a kid, but it's just like an escape for me. And I mean, comic books, you are not even nerdy anymore. I mean, no. it's, it's mainstream culture. Very much so, yeah. 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 Like, and it is just so funny. Like everyone's like, did you see Shang-Chi? And I like grew up reading these things. I was like, what? I mean, you had to be deep into comic books to like Guardians of the Galaxy and Shang. You now they're all just these like it's so funny. So did you already know about him like forever ago? I, no, I grew up on comic books and you knew he was a character, but right, nobody but, read him. I mean, you were like, yeah, you worked at a comic book store if you knew who Shang Chi yeah. was, you know. So it was you know pretty deep. And uh, have you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah. My great. son came home last night and said it's one of his favorite Marvel yeah, movies. Yeah, fantastic. It's really good. I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And you made a comment earlier about Thor snapping his fingers. Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> you like that I corrected you, too? <laughs> yeah, I was like, not mm-hmm. Thor. Yeah. But, well, now what I was about to say is very irrelevant. I was going to say I knew what you were talking about because this year I've been watching all the movies with my kids. Oh, we started go. during the pandemic. Yeah. And so they've seen them all. They love them all. But I'm trying to be a cool mom. Yeah. And so apparently it's not working. I thought no, 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 Thor totally is Thanos. Works. This is, we watched them all, too. It was a great time to catch on. And this is a total aside. Again, ADD. We re- You watched Ant-Man? Yes. So I told my wife, we were in the middle of watching the movie, and if you guys don't know the story of Ant-Man, I'm going to spoil it because this movie's very old. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But... The lead, Scott Lang, him and his wife separate, and then, you know, she has a new husband, and they, like, all get along, and I told my wife, I go, that's the most unbelievable part of this movie. (laughs) This movie is about a guy that can be a giant or a little ant and communicate (laughs) with ants. The most unbelievable part of the movie is that dynamic right there. That everyone gets along in that. That the ex likes the new guy. uh As a child with divorce, I'm going to tell you, it's not like that. (laughs) It's not like that at all. Like, you would rather believe that he actually became an ant. Yeah, yeah. That's way more believable to me than this like friendly dynamic where the ex-husband like hugs the guy who's with his ex-wife now. There's no version of that whatsoever. I was like, that's a stretch, even for Marvel. That's a stretch. And then we're watching Ted Lasso. We couldn't wait for the new one to come out. It's great. The Marvel What Ifs are fun to watch with the family too. But Marvel uh, What Ifs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're on Disney Plus. All the Disney Plus yeah, ones we are have great. It, yeah. The WandaVision and yeah. Loki and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But Ted Lasso's great. It's so good. I'm yeah. behind the season, but I really, really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. They're so heavy, like yeah. sometimes that I can only watch one at a time, yeah. otherwise I get pretty down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then it brings you up because you just love Ted. You do. It's like watching a play in that sense that you're just like, oh, you go through uh, uh, like it's like this is or a good play. A bad play is just all negative emotions. All the emotions. <laughs> uh, Dustin, thanks for coming on the happy thanks hour. Thanks for having me. I it's really enjoy great. it. Everyone go watch a special. Um, it's really, really good. So thank you. Thanks, Jamie. All right, guys, I hope that you laughed at this conversation as much as I did. I also appreciate his vulnerability in talking about his daughter and the journey that they're on together as walking through having ADHD. You guys, check out his YouTube special. It was on Amazon Prime, and now you can watch it for free on YouTube. Just look up his name, Dustin Nickerson, and look up Overwhelm. It's a full comedy special that he filmed in 2020. And it's up here for all of you guys to watch. And then go over to YouTube while you're there. Check out the video that him and I recorded about why laughter is so important right now in this hard season. Also, God made you to be you. My children's book, it releases in almost just two and a half weeks. And I would love it if you went ahead and pre-ordered a copy. You can get it wherever you get books. 
For more information, go to jamieivy.com slash kids. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Happy Hour.